Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. So today we're going to talk about anger. Anger means that something has gone wrong and we feel stress, frustration, and irritation about it. Yeah, we have an expectation that hasn't been met or a boundary that's been crossed. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it comes from, literally, we've talked about flooding. We've talked about all these different things. It's that we've we've reached that limit as far as us feeling safe, as far as, I guess, it, it almost is like the call to action we have sometimes with anger, where usually being angry isn't just I'm angry. Anger usually is associated with some sort of action that I imagine would be great if it took place or I want to do to make things right. And so anger, very rarely, I think, do people just sit with it and are like, yeah, I'm angry, right? It usually is like a catalyst to something. So it's a very good catalyst emotion, I think. Yeah, it pushes us to hold boundaries after informing us that we have a boundary. Mm -hmm. As I think about anger, too, one of the things that I recognize is that some people say, oh, I never get angry or I'm always angry. And what that really means is either I have a lot of expectations or I don't really have a lot of expectations. And neither one is right or wrong they're both Mm -hmm. actually just extremes right so if you have no expectations from people that is not necessarily healthy attachment Mm -hmm. and but if we have high expectations from people like we expect them all to drive well on the freeway or we expect them all never gonna happen right or (laughs) we expect them all to understand what's going on in our lives or we expect them you know big expectations for people that's when anger comes on more have you guys seen she hulk i love it (laughs) okay this made me think of that because the famous line bruce banner in hulk he's like how do you control it and he's like because i'm always angry right like so that sounded more like batman but so with She-Hulk, though, okay, his cousin, backstory real quick, his cousin in an accident ends up getting tainted with Bruce's um, blood. And so she ends up becoming a She-Hulk. way too many spoilers. Okay. Go watch that. That's no, that's in the first episode. Minutes. Man, okay. if you can't make it the first two minutes, I don't think we're going to be friends. So I've watched all of them. Okay, good. So I love the fact that, like, I want to say like episode two or something like that, or maybe it's the first episode. It's the first Is episode. it the first one? Okay. It's like pretty much him trying to like train her how to be a Hulk. Right. And he goes into like anger, but then he's like, and a good way to do that is DBT. And I was like, what? And it was like, anytime they like actually appropriately reference it, I think with anger, that was a really, for me, that was really cool because first of all, it's a show that a lot of people have access to. And if you actually have real therapeutic info out there i'm like i'm in your camp but with him what i loved about it is that with anger he's not saying you can't be angry and like that switch can't happen what he is saying though is you have to stay mindful and that's where you have more control over what happens during the anger right and that's how he essentially states how he's able to stay in as he calls like smart hulk mode 
where he's not just, you know, complete animalistic going off. But at the same time, he is able to find that balance. And it is staying in the moment with anger. So anger does have this capacity to have you stay in the moment, but you have to do a lot of work to know how to set yourself up for that, essentially. And that's my Marvel reference for today. Uh, mindfulness is key. The other uh, the other group of people that you mentioned, Jen, that I'm never angry, uh, it may not actually be true that they're never angry. They just may not be aware. They'll call it things like, I don't get angry, I get frustrated, or I don't get angry, I get irritated. And that's under the umbrella of anger. They just are uncomfortable with the idea of anger. Anger may not have been safe in their past. And so the idea that they could feel anger is something that they're not okay with. Mm -hmm. I also noticed that we actually see anger as a physical manifestation and not just an emotion, right? So I'm somebody I can recognize when I get angry. I am less of a yeller than I was earlier in my life. I won't say I never yell, but I'm way less of a yeller. So my level of unmanaged anger has changed mm -hmm. so a lot of people think well you're only anger if you have that raised voice clenched fist you know your facial expression changes but you can feel anger without acting angry and i think that's one of the things too taylor that they may see is true anger isn't about losing control it's about recognizing something's not okay well i love what the like in cartoons in different ways you know when a character's angry right you see like the red boiling up you see the steam coming out of their ears but you don't always what i love about like those kinds of visuals the character themselves is not usually reacting well not usually i wouldn't say it's not always reacting like you don't see that character actually like starting to like get like angry face and things like that you can just have a character be standing there and smiling and they're talking about like like you said that kind of like more passive visual of anger where they're smiling but if you see the level rising up in that character and the steam coming out of the ears you still take them as just as angry like, yeah that's that's great yeah but turning red but they're turning red and the steam's coming out right because i'm one of those people that i i definitely become a lot more snarky when i'm angry um not so much of a physical pusher in that sense but definitely like i have i'll have like a big quip for you and it's it's usually pretty great, but it's also <laughs> not always appropriate. I mean, Jen and I have always enjoyed it. Yeah, we it's do. a fun time. Yeah, I do appreciate your snark. And I think, but I, I like the differentiation you're talking about where you don't have to just be that person who's like, you know, scowling, grimace, clenching fists. Like a lot of the times it's the pressure inside that just alerts you of that anger. Differentiation means the ability to regulate our emotions regardless of what someone else or the situation is doing, just mm -hmm. as an aside. Yeah. I like to what Taylor was bringing up about boundaries because regulated anger would include a lot of boundary work. So if something is going wrong, instead of getting in a power struggle and changing the other person, right? So that's a power struggle when you're focused on controlling the other person versus controlling yourself. When you have controlled anger, you move to, this isn't going well, what's my boundary? What can I control? What can I move? And that's how I've learned to regulate anger more versus if we'll go back to road rage. You know, if somebody cuts me off, I could yell that they're an idiot, that's an option. I, they probably won't hear me. Some people might have hand gestures hoping that they will see and have it fully communicated how stupid they were, but you're not actually changing anyone's behavior. Mm -hmm. 
right? What you're doing is you're rejecting them and that's going to cause whatever it causes for them. But when we go to that place where we say, okay, I'm going to move into a lane. I'm going to move away from this car. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to speed up. I'm, I'm going to control me and do what I can do. That is where we move out of the power struggle and into regulating things that aren't going well. Mm-hmm. We saved anger for last because anger is often taught as only a secondary emotion, meaning that you can't ever just feel anger because you're angry that you're feeling something underneath. And that can certainly be true, that you might be feeling angry because it's more comfortable to feel angry instead of feeling hurt, or it might be easier to feel anger rather than feeling sad. That absolutely happens. And we can admit we've all taught it like that pretty consistent, especially when it comes to like working in a you know, residential type of setting, that's usually, that was like the number one thing we'd always throw in if we're processing with kid who's like becoming volatile is like, hey, there's something underneath that, but continue. And it's also important to recognize that it can absolutely be telling us that there's just something wrong going on and to specifically look at expectations and boundaries. Um, Anger for me growing up was never a safe thing And so I was not okay when other people got angry. I wasn't okay being angry. And so I had to do a lot of my own emotion work of becoming emotionally aware and being okay with that emotion. It's really important. You can't be a healthy individual and not be okay with all of our emotions. If you shut one emotion down, all emotions get stunted. Mm -hmm. So if you can't be comfortable with one, you're going to be unable to feel love as fully, happy as fully, peaceful as fully. So if you're uncomfortable with sad, so it's important that um, if anger is uncomfortable for you, like it was for me, that you start to learn how to tap into that. The other thing, I'm with you, Haley, I've absolutely taught it as a secondary emotion. Um, What I've learned though, is that in trauma, when we have someone who's always angry and that's that ex- external behavior, we're seeing a lot of anger, you know, going on in their relationships or in their behaviors. Maybe they're moving towards aggression. Maybe they're moving into what I now see as the fight, flight, freeze, not just anger, but that moving into that limbic brain. That it, fight, it, yeah, especially. Yeah because of the fight and we see that as anger but when we slow down and we say what's wrong what's not going right and talk to them we see the anger dissipate when you uh, dissipate because we brought in safety Mm -hmm. right and we've talked about that if you have somebody who's not safe ask them what's wrong or mock them for their anger or belittle them that's going to have a different response but with trauma work we have people who get stuck in anger because there's things from the past that are wrong yeah so we're more angry about what's going on at work because i have rejection issues from my childhood and that's leading us into why we what we're going to talk about next was just emotional regulation and done attachment work is because when things don't go right before we have the words before we have the awareness that can get stuck and that's what creates that trauma and so when people are always angry it's a lot more about what's happened in the past 
than it even is about what's happening in the The image that keeps coming to my head is just we need to see our emotions really as just more of a dashboard right it's a dashboard of sensors that are going off saying like hey safety's out of whack so this is what's happening or hey you're you're feeling overwhelmed because you know there's too much on you pressure wise or hey a past image from trauma in your childhood is coming up right and so like <laughs> the more i hate relating everything to inside out but the more i see it the more i see it as like that dashboard they have especially the one that's updated when she becomes a teenager and they're like "Ooh, more buttons right like that's that's really what's happening and we need to treat it like that because you don't look at a blinking red light at a car and take that as like a shaming process or like you take that as like you know you need to be like yes you can be frustrated by that of like oh something's wrong i need to fix it right but most human beings who are smart aren't looking at those blinking red lights and are like, I'm not going to do anything about it because whatever, right? Most people are going to say, if I want to keep driving my car, if I want to keep doing this, I just got to pay attention to it. I just got to give it heed, right? But then when it comes to us with our blinking red lights or even our caution lights or even our like go lights, we completely ignore them because we're like, well, it's not tangible. Well, it's, you know, no one else can see the red lights, so it's no big deal, Right. And so like I had a situation where earlier this year I was in a car accident and it affected the sensors in my car and they had to get like calibrated, but it took me a while to be able to get it in. And so before I could get it in, I'd have people come into my car and be like, is your car okay? Why is like, you know, when I, when you first get in, why are there like five beeps that won't stop until you press like the, I get it, I get it button kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, everything's fine. It's just the sensor itself is needing to be replaced. And so I need to get that in. Honestly, that helped propel me getting it in quicker because I saw other people who were also noticing my sensor going off and they were like, ooh, you know, is everything okay, Haley? And after a while, I was like, ooh, I don't want to keep going through that. I've explained that to people. So I took that as a thing. But when it comes to mental health, we'll keep pushing it aside and be like, whatever. It doesn't really matter, Right. But people are often telling us the same thing of like, are your sensors okay? Is everything all right? You don't seem like yourself. And so especially with anger, that's another one that we like to ignore that light. That's another one we like to ignore that sensor, especially. And if someone brings it up, we're just like offended, even though it's like, it's just as clear as day as a blinking red light. Something is up, right? I think it's interesting that you mentioned about how it got affected by the car accident because I just moved mm -hmm. and they called me and said, now that you have moved, you have to get recalibrated. And so sometimes it's a big event, but sometimes it's just a life change that creates yeah. it. Right. So a new relationship, a new job, um, a move, a, just a new environment might create those sensors going off. So sometimes when we look at, why is this changing? It could be a big new trauma, right? Like a car accident, or it could just be, okay, my environment's changed. And because our brain and our emotions regulate based off of habit, when we have changes in our lives, big and small, our emotions sometimes will adjust. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that in different types of emotions, the things that affect them. And so just be aware, too, is that sometimes good stress, like getting married 
or getting a new job, those can be good stresses. Those will also cause you to need to calibrate a little bit and be more emotionally aware and um, pay attention. Mm-hmm. One more thing I want to talk about with anger and I make sure that we get in is this idea of passive aggressiveness. So learning that there's aggressive communication, that's a fight response, but also passive aggressive is also a type of anger. So if you're saying, and Taylor covered it a little bit, but I want to give the word passive aggressive so that people understand it, that when you are mad at everybody, but you're not telling them, that's a sign that you're angry and you need to process the anger of the emotion versus going to everyone else and making them change. It's about you being more honest and authentic in what's going on with you. And that can come again from trauma, like Taylor explained earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's often a more acceptable area of anger for people. Cause like you said, there's, qu- there's not quite a commitment to say I'm angry. So therefore there's not quite an acceptance of acceptance of the entire emotion. So we like to think of it as like, I'm still expressing it, but it's in a quote unquote safer way or not as extreme of a way But really what you're doing is I like to think of it as a plant. You're creating even deeper roots to burrow that emotion in rather than you may not see it on the surface, but those roots are probably a lot deeper because you're burying it so much than like if you were to maybe have the same outburst as someone else. And so that doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Okay. I spent a weekend doing some like yard work stuff and pulling out these roots of these different plants. Some of the plants, it was great because they were these huge plants, not much holding it in. And it was just easy to pull it out, okay? But then there were some of these little plants I was like, oh, this should be easy. And I realized the root system was so much deeper down, right? So on the surface, they looked a lot easier, but then I realized underneath there was a lot more going on. And so with anger, we can't always take it as like, it's gonna always go with that example. But for those of us, who have trouble finding safety in expressing anger. And I think that's the big thing, right? Are we finding safety to express the emotion? So for those of us who are having trouble finding safety in the emotion, we need to be very aware of how deep is this going, right? So we need to be checking in with ourselves, making sure what's going on there, really seeing if our need was expressed then. And how deep it's going is often reflected in your life about how much is being impacted, right? That's that's often a question when we talk about any kind of diagnosis and you go to what, is it mild, moderate, or severe? The question is mm-hmm. how much life is being impacted, right? So if you're saying life is pretty good, but I, yeah, I probably got some stuff, then you know, you can work through it on your own. But when you start to see life is impacted, my relationships aren't going well, I'm uh, not doing well at work, I'm not doing well at school, I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating well. Those are times where you want to get more support around that experience. And another good time to say when you're angry at somebody who's not safe to talk to, Taylor, you talk really well about this, when the person isn't safe, finding someone else who can validate you and process that anger with you, whether it be therapy or a trusted safe person. Anger holds a unique place among the emotions, not just because uh, it can be a secondary emotion in addition to a primary emotion, Mm -hmm. but because there's no catharsis with anger. Catharsis uh, means that 
acting on the emotion will have the emotion resolve. So with sadness, you know, we talked about that it tells us we've lost something, you'll cry, the sadness will uh, decrease, possibly go away. Mm-hmm. With anger, if we feel anger and feel like punching a wall, you punch a wall, it will fuel the anger rather than have it be smaller. You feel anger and you feel like screaming and you scream, it will fuel the anger. You might feel a temporary relief, but it will actually rewire the brain to be angrier uh, for the long run. So anger is a really tricky emotion in some respects. And that temporary relief comes from the adrenaline release, not the emotion release. Yes, thanks for clarifying that. Mm -hmm. So what do we do to kind of get out of that mindset then? Because if you're talking about temporarily having relief, we're looking at reducing adrenaline, right? But how do we, I guess, combat, we're talking about those deeper roots and things like that. How How do we address that? We either process the anger, uh, either in therapy or with a trusted person, like Jen mm-hmm. was saying, or we have to make some lifestyle changes, like adjusting our expectations so they're more appropriate. Most people say, lower your expectations. I don't think that's an unfair way to phrase it. Yeah. So like driving on the freeway, like we were talking about before. Um, I think I mentioned on the podcast before that coming into work, there's an intersection. I know I'm going to be cut off at every single time. I I just expect to be cut off and I don't ever feel bothered by it. I just like, yep. So I leave lots of extra room and then more people are able to get in and it's fine. It works great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or uh, we need to either hold our boundary differently more effectively or hold a new boundary to make sure that we're safer. But I, I think noticing just with that expectation part, you are in no way saying like people can trample on me and I should lower my expectation because people are just going to screw me over. You're looking at it and saying people are still going to act. They're going to still do what they want because that's their ability to do so. But I can limit my safety risks by doing this and still trusting the basics of law. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. we shift our boundaries, right? So the cutting off in traffic changed my expectation about how people are going to drive mm-hmm. and changed my boundary by giving more space. And as we talk about changing expectations, we change expectations from other people to us, not from the idea of higher or lower. So we have less expectation on them. That's less power struggle, more expectation on us. So Taylor, the example you were using was that you move the expectation of people not cutting you off to I'm going to give more space in my time frame. I'm going to accept this and I'm going to choose not to let this override my day. When we're dealing with a personal relationship, um, such as being married, we don't want to lower our expectations. We want to move out of that power struggle. We want to say if this person isn't going to regulate, then I can choose a value that I can stand on. And that might mean taking more personal space, working more on my own emotions. And even if the relationship is unhealthy, saying I'm going to move fully out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Just about making sure that you have the space to do what you need. And anger is often a result of feeling like you do not have that space to do what you need. And that either you are shortening yourself the space or someone else is and so i think like you're saying the first thing you have to do is just making sure that you're guaranteeing yourself the safety you need for that
Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We would love to hear from you.